Let's start right out with a scripture lesson this morning, the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, the fifth chapter. Listen to the Lord. He says, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Not even the tax collector is doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then these words from uh, the book of Romans, the words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Well, a pastor was talking to his congregation about this very command to love our enemies and uh, so he asked the congregation, basically he said, uh, if any of you have uh, some enemies, you know, one, two, three, raise your hand. And, uh, you know, half the, half the crowd, probably more than half, raised their hand. And then he asked, how many of you have a lot of enemies? And there were a few who were courageous enough to admit that, that, that there were a lot of people out there. <laughs> who were not enthralled with uh, with with uh, with them, and then uh, and then finally he asked, "How many of you have no enemies at all?" And uh, and he, and the pastor looked around the room and and looked around the room and and then there was only one hand and it was way in the back an elderly gentleman. And, and he said, I have no enemies. And the pastor uh, thought, man, that's pretty impressive, I mean, to have absolutely no enemies. And, uh, and called the man forward, and, and, uh, and the pastor said to the, to the man, how, how old are you? He asked him. He says, I'm, I'm 98, 98 years old. And the pastor said, you know, it's just amazing to me. You are living such a, a wonderful Christian life. I mean, you are a model for the rest of us. Uh, so, could you, could you tell us your secret? Um, how is it that you have no enemies? And the old man said, Oh, the blankety blanks died! Blankety blanks. Most of us sadly go through life, for better or for worse, with uh, an enemy or two, or three or four. 
There are people who, for whatever reason, uh, just kind of have it in for us. They just don't like us. Uh, maybe we offended them and we apologized, but uh, you know, but they, maybe our apology was refused. Um, maybe uh, we've made some people angry. Um, maybe they're, they've been jealous of us. Um, you know, they, they just can't stand us, and you feel like they're working against you. And maybe even in your own family, there's somebody in the family that's just holding a grudge and, uh, against you, and, and you're just not sure why. It's just incomprehensible to you, but <laughs> they've made it clear. They just don't care for you. And, uh, you know, these are people that we w would classify, you know, kind of as as enemies, you know, and it's just kind of a, a sad part of life. It's just the way life is. It's a hard part of life. And sometimes when you hear Jesus telling us to love our enemies, it just makes it even seem harder. Uh, I've been preaching on some of the hard sayings of Jesus the last few weeks, and uh, surely this command has got to be at the, it has to be at the top of the list. Love your enemy? It's so hard because it, it, it cuts directly against uh, human nature, right? All human inclination. Uh, you know, to love those who love us, I mean, perfectly reasonable. Uh, we would expect that. But to love those who would do us harm, to love those who uh, wish us ill, really? I mean, it's bad enough saying that we have to turn the other cheek and uh, go the second mile and not retaliate, which was my message a couple of weeks ago. But to actively love our enemies, can Jesus be serious? Is it possible for a cougar to love a husky? Probably not this morning. Will not impossible. But you know what? You got to give it to the cougars. I mean, the, the, the WSU marching band that learned how to play, bow down to Washington uh, in lieu of the fact that the UW band didn't make it to the game because their bus turned over. I, was, I thought that was big of Cougars. Uh, so they've gone up a notch <laughs> in my estimation. Love our enemies. The rabbis in Jesus' day taught, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Perfectly reasonable. They drew a circle around their love as we do, limiting love to those who somehow will love us in return or who at least appreciate our kindness and our love. Jesus, however, says that's not good enough. He corrects the distortion. He says, if you only love those who love you, what's so special about that? I mean, that's just normal. Even hardcore pagans love those who love them. But I say to you, love your enemies, for that's how God loves, for God makes His sun to shine on good and bad alike. God's love extends to all, even to those who are His enemies. But this, of course, is uh, easier said than done. But before we throw up our hands in, in uh, despair and, and dismiss the Lord's teachings as totally unrealistic and impossible, we need to look more closely at what Jesus is saying here. Basically, He is saying, look, I say to you, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you, who persecute you. Our love, says our Lord, will express itself in our deeds and in our words and in our prayers. Be good to those who hate you. What we have to understand is that when Jesus is talking about love for enemies, He's not talking about warm, cozy feelings, fuzzy feelings that we should have for other people who have treated us with contempt. Um, in the New Testament, love is primarily practical. It's something that we do. Love is a verb. Um, it has to do with service, practical, humble, sacrificial serving. It's a matter of the will. So we can love people even if we don't have all these warm, fuzzy feelings for people. Love means doing good to those who would do evil to us. So the Apostle Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To repay evil for evil only perpetuates the cycle of hostility. Um, it was the, the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw who dealt with his uh, fair share of difficult people. This is what he said. He said, I learned long ago never to wrestle with a pig. You get dirty, and besides, the pig likes it. That quote just kind of caught my eye. So don't be a pig. <laughs> don't wallow in the mud. So what do you do instead? You kill them. To use an old phrase, you kill them with kindness. The trick is to take away their power of inflicting hurt or pain by being very kind to them. You overcome evil with good. I read about a young woman uh, who just couldn't stand her father-in-law. I mean, every time he would come over, he would complain about everything under the sun. He'd complain about uh, the, the state of the, of the house. It wasn't decorated right. Uh, he would uh, criticize his daughter-in-law for her appearance and for the way that she handled uh, the children and for the food that she set out on the table. And uh, this happened every time he came over to visit. There was an argument, and tempers would flare. And this young woman was a, a young Christian, um, a new Christian. She was pretty high-strung, uh, and so it didn't take much to, you know, push her button, and she would easily lose her temper. She would explode all over her father-in-law, you know, just let him have it. And then her father-in-law inevitably would leave in a huff, and then for days, you know, there would be this, this long, frosty uh, relationship until after a while they finally uh, began to be civil towards one another, only to start up again with another argument, another flare-up. This poor young woman, she just couldn't stand the man, <laughs> couldn't stand him. So finally she went to her pastor and, and told him the whole story. I just can't control myself, she said. What can I do? And the pastor asked her, well, what's his favorite food? What does he like to eat the most? And she said, well, uh, fudge. 
Next time you guys get in an argument, make them some fudge. And so that young woman went home from her visit with the pastor thinking that was the most ridiculous thing that, he, that, that she had ever heard. I mean, really? Make him some fudge? I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, this is a very immature pastor. I mean, this young pastor, the board should never have chosen him in the first place. Just ridiculous. How is that going to help my situation? Well, the relationship with her father-in-law... Um, went from bad to worse. <laughs> Finally, at the end of her rope, she had had enough. And so she said a little prayer. This is after her father-in-law left once again in a, in, a, in a huff. She went to her refrigerator, took out the milk, found some chocolate, and uh, she decided to follow her pastor's advice, and she made this fudge. No, there wasn't poison in it, but she made some really good fudge, and she made really good fudge. And so, she went over and made a special trip over to her in-laws, and she gave him the fudge. And apparently, that simple act of kindness was enough to garner a rare confession from her father-in-law. Daughter, he said, forgive a grouchy old man. And from then on, the two of them began to mend their relationship. And in the end, they became great friends. Their relationship transformed all because of a simple kindness, a little fudge. Kind of a cool story, actually. Just a small, unexpected act of kindness made the difference. She managed to turn an enemy into a friend. So love for our enemies needs to exp be expressed in deeds. It doesn't have to be a huge, sacrificial deed, but to respond to evil, to bad behavior with kindness. But love for enemies must also be expressed in words. Bless, don't curse. If someone calls down upon us all sorts of catastrophes, expressing in words his wish for your downfall, then we must retaliate by calling down heaven's blessings upon them and wishing them well. We refuse to respond in kind to those who curse us. We don't get in the pig pen with them. We refuse to be pigs. Don't curse. Bless. Now, that's a very hard thing to do, but it is possible to respond good words for bad. Martin Luther King, Jr., in a sermon entitled, Loving Our Enemies. Sometimes we forget that Martin Luther King, Jr. was a pastor, a preacher, went to seminary, had a Ph.D., um, a well-schooled man. And uh, he preached a sermon called Loving Our Enemies. And in, a sermon, in this sermon, he told a story about Abraham Lincoln. 
When Abraham Lincoln was running for the President of the United States, there was a man who ran around the country talking about Lincoln, talking him down. He said a lot of unkind things. And sometimes he would get to the point where he would even talk about Lincoln's looks. You don't want a tall, lanky, ignorant, ugly man like this as President of the United States. Do you really want someone who looks like an ape leading this nation? Well, finally, one day, Abraham Lincoln was elected President of the United States, and there came a time for him to choose his Secretary of War. And he looked across the nation and decided to choose a man by the name of Mr. Stanton. And when Abraham Lincoln stood around his advisors and mentioned the fact, they, they, they said to him, Mr. Lincoln, are you a fool? Don't you realize that this guy has been going around the country talking you down, saying the worst things about you? Yes, Mr. Lincoln, even about your looks? Don't you know what he's tried to do to you? All those derogatory things he said. And so Lincoln then stood before his advisors and said, Yeah, I know about it. I know he's been doing that. I've heard what he said. In fact, I've heard it from his own lips. But you know what? After looking around the country, I find that he is the best man for the job. So, Mr. Stanton became the Secretary of War. And later, uh, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, and uh, you may know that one of the greatest words or, or statements ever made about Abraham Lincoln was made by this man, Stanton, or at least his words, these words are attributed to him. As uh, life was flowing, ebbing out of his body, uh, Stanton stood up and said, now he belongs to the ages. And he made, Stan made a beautiful statement concerning the character and the stature of this man. So Martin Luther King Jr. commented, if Abraham Lincoln had hated Stanton, if Abraham Lincoln had answered everything Stanton said, trading curses for curses, Abraham Lincoln would not have transformed and redeemed Stanton. Stanton would have gone to his grave hating Lincoln, and Lincoln would have gone to his grave hating Stanton. But through the power of love, Abraham Lincoln was able to redeem Stanton. Bless, don't curse. Turn an enemy into a friend. And then, Jesus says, we are to pray for those who persecute us, for those who mistreat us. We're to pray for our enemies. A theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer through, said, through intercessory prayer, we go to our enemy, stand by his side, and plead for him to God. Such prayer is not only an expression of love, but it's a way actually to increase our compassion for our enemy. Because when we pray... We begin to look at our enemy in a new light. He doesn't seem like such a demon after all. He's just another needy person like us. 
And I really believe that it's nearly impossible to continue to pray for someone for any length of time and not come to feel some compassion for them. And so we shouldn't wait to pray for our enemies before we have any kind of a compassionate feeling for them, right? But the more we pray for them, the more compassion will arise in our hearts. Jesus prayed for his enemies and his tormentors, even while the iron spikes were being pounded into his hands and into his feet. And the imperfect tense suggests that Jesus kept on praying, kept repeating, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The late John Stott, who was a well-known Christian preacher and pastor, asked, if the cruel torture of crucifixion couldn't silence our Lord's prayer for His enemies, what pain, pride, or prejudice could justify the silencing of ours? Pray for your enemies. I, I ran across an absolutely beautiful prayer for enemies composed by Anselm of the 11th century. And he could have written it today. So I want to share it with you now as a model of what it is to pray for an enemy. Uh, and become kind of a model for our own prayer. And perhaps you could pray, pray it with me now. So pray. Let's pray. Almighty and tender Lord Jesus Christ, I've asked you to be good to my friends. And now I bring before you what I desire in my heart for my enemies. If what I ask for them at any time is outside the rule of charity, whether through weakness, ignorance, or malice, good Lord, do not give it to them and do not give it back to me. You who are the light, lighten their darkness. You who are the whole truth, correct their errors. You who are the true life, give life to their souls. Tender Lord Jesus, let me not be the cause of the death of my brothers. Let me not be to them a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Let them be reconciled to you and in concord with me according to your will and for your own sake. Do this, my good creator and my merciful judge, according to your mercy that cannot be measured. Forgive me all my debts as I before you forgive all those indebted to me. Perhaps this may not be so because in your sight I have not yet done this perfectly, but my will is set to do it, and to that end I am doing all I can. I have prayed, Lord, as a weak man and a sinner, you who are mighty and merciful, hear my prayer. Amen. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who mistreat you. These three things then, if we're to love our enemies, we do good to them, we speak well of them, and we pray for them. And so may God soften our hearts so that you and I can draw a circle of love that includes even the people who have hurt or who have offended us or who hate us. 
May God love through us to the praise of His glory. Amen.